Morning Liberty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> are you going to go? No. Are you going to go? I'm waiting on you to go right now. What is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I've got no sig on my beep. All right. That's, I was. That's we, what's happening. Charlie and I do this thing every time we start a show. We kind of stare at each other. And, mm. and most of the time, we kind of know what's going to happen, who's going to open the show. It's actually all we do all day. We just stare at we each other. We just sit here and look at each other <laughs> right here. And that's, and that's all we do. Say, look at that. If you're watching live on Discord, you can see us just staring at each other while, while Charlie sips an ice cold Coke Zero that we don't get paid for mentioning, by the mm. way. They're not sponsors of the podcast. But anyway, this is the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. My name is Nate, and right across from me is Charles Chuck Too Tall Stuck Thompson. Nailed it. Right across the crusty, disgusting desk. Charlie, what is GameStop's current price? Well, currently it's back down at 114, mm. but we did see a spike all the way to 125. That's crazy. In the post market. That's pretty crazy, guys. I got Considering tell you it was trading at about $45 today, um, <laughs> GameStop opened up at uh, 45.32. Yeah. Closed at 91.71, up 103%, currently trading around 112 to 115 dollars hit a post market high so far of 125 on the dot charlie's over here handing out tendies for free mm -hmm. well see the thing about it is is we all talked about this you had to have diamond hands now look <laughs> i if you guys are involved in all the memes and everything that's going on with wall street bets of course everybody was saying diamond hands hold them print your tendies they got all these you know chicken tenders means money so all these different sayings that are absolutely hysterical. And uh, so uh, I, I was like, I'll gamble one share. So I've been holding to one share and I'm, I diamond handed it. Nate had three shares and had he held on to those, they would be in profit by now, but he sold them for a loss. I did. So here we are talking about GameStop again and Nate's just upset that uh, he didn't hold on to one share just to see what could happen with the one share. What I will do is caution everyone who's like, oh, I'm going to get in. on Now I'm going to get in on GameStop. Yeah, don't. don't. Well, I'm not saying don't, but there, this proceed is, with caution. This could easily be what is called a dead cat bounce. Remember, GameStop went all the way up to 500 something dollars. So the fact that it just pushed up to 125, that's still a very much dead cat bounce territory. Right there. That doesn't mean we're about to go on a run to 10K mm. or anything. Now, if it opens up tomorrow over a thousand, I'm going to feel pretty stupid right now. But that's just that's just what I want to say to caution everyone. But anyway, we got to talk about some news. About just real some, quick, the $150 call option is up 67,000 percent today. That's a pretty good price. So I really wish I would have bought one of those. That's 67 grand per contract. <laughs> if you would have just had one, just one of them, just one, 67,000 dollars. Well, I mean, anyway, that's just the that's percentage just, increase on it. Yeah, that's a, I don't remember. It's pretty what, good. Yeah, I don't know what, what price it went to. Charlie, I'll give you a quick story because I know you're not really here. To tell me about cages. I'm here. And containers. Nate, I'm here. I'm right. <laughs> literally right here. You I'll give you this nice short story to tell everyone about. You could see it on camera if you were part of the Patreon group, which you could sign up by going to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. Hit that Discord server, slide right in. And then you can connect on our podcast live 
channel inside the Discord server and be part of viewing Nate and I staring at each other. Patreon.com slash Good Morning Liberty. Go sign up. I'm going to tell you about... Is this... Pisaki, I think is how you say it. Pisaki Saki. Uh, is it Pisaki? Not to be confused with the drink, Saki. Saki. Which is an alcoholic beverage from the Japanese. I know all about it. Region. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually served warm. It's actually good for your throat. So I hear. <laughs> anyway. Well, in that case, I guess I'll have some. Pisaki on Biden keeping, keeping migrant kids in containers versus cages. We only have a couple of choices. We this coming. Have, only have a couple of choices. This coming from the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. White House Press Secretary John Pasaki. Jen Pasaki. Jen. Jen Pasaki avoided directly answering multiple questions from Fox News reporter Peter Ducey on Wednesday afternoon about the Biden administration's decision to open detention facilities for children apprehended at the U.S. border while trying to enter the country. Quote. We've seen some photos now of containers. Is there a better description? Ducey asked. <laughs> is it kids in containers instead of kids in cages? What is the White House's description of this facility? <laughs> Quote, we can quickly transfer them from CPB, CBP to these HHS-run facilities. That's one option. Or we can put them with families and, uh, and sponsors without any vetting. There was some problems that the process ran into as well. We've chosen the middle option, she continued, and these HHS facilities, this is one of them you're referring to. We had to expand and open additional facilities because there was not enough space in the existing facilities. This is a difficult situation. It's a difficult choice. That's the choice we've made. When asked whether the administration would support allowing reporters into the facilities to see what the conditions uh, were like for the children, Pasaki deflected, saying that Ducey would need to ask a different department in the administration. <laughs> Don't ask the person who speaks for the administration. <laughs> no, not at all. Now, folks, these are neither containers or cages. They are HHS facilities. It's a facility. Okay. Nothing to see here. Move on. They just, they're in a, this is a tough situation. They had to make a decision. They had to make a difficult choice. It's a difficult choice. And luckily, Biden was there to make it. <laughs> Glad we have somebody there to make difficult choices. It's not very surprising considering the fact that the famous photo that went around of the kids in cages was from 2014 while Obama was president. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not super, super surprising that down there they would be putting kids and then we got to use the proper term. They're in containers. Those are way different from cages. By the way, I saw a recent vote, uh, video of someone uh, going over Biden's town hall that he did on CNN a couple weeks ago. Do you remember him saying that when he got into office that there there wasn't a vaccine yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did we cover that? I don't remember. Uh, we talked about his whole uh, whatever it was, 100 million doses. Oh, and, that's right. In 100 days. That but apparently when he was sworn in, there wasn't a vaccine yet. No, even though he'd already had the even vaccine. Though he, he, yeah. he had both. He had <laughs> yeah. both doses before he was sworn in. He was he misspoke, it's, Charlie. He of misspoke. Course, of course, it's what's amazing to me is the difference of coverage. Um, and we knew this was going to happen. Obviously, we told y'all. It's just it's funny to me how we can <laughs> see the, the same exact things happening. Because look, Trump wasn't much different than all the other presidents. He wasn't. It's just like the media hated him. They absolutely did. A lot of people on the left hated him. 
And so they literally, anything that he did, that was literally the exact same thing that anyone else would do in that position. He got blasted for it. And you see Biden's administration doing the exact same thing. They just call it a different name. And I don't know why Trump didn't come up with HHS facilities. He probably didn't do it because it's hard to say. (laughs) That's that's why. He probably didn't. He was like, no, don't say that. Don't say it. It's too hard. He just could have called them HHS facilities, though, and uh, everything would have been fine. The media wouldn't have cared at all. No, it wouldn't. And they would have also covered because I saw AOC was unhappy. She said it wasn't okay, but then she also said, "Well, they've only they've only been in the administration for two months, so you can't expect them to fix the problem in that amount of time." Yeah. So, and I'm sure the kids really care about that. I'm sure. I'm sure they really do. He had all these agendas in the first hundred days that he was going to do. Yeah, haven't come to light. Well, that's just a little bit of media bias for you. He is getting a little bit of flack from the left, but man, not anything like what we saw for Trump. And it's because Biden is the good, sensible candidate that cares about you, uh, that's just trying to do the right thing. And Trump Mm -hmm. hated everyone who wasn't white. And so they're very different, very different people. Okay, this coming from Forbes. This is insane. What's actually insane is I'm pretty sure I just mentioned the F-35 jet in yesterday's episode. Really? Or the episode before that. I just made a joke about how we were spending so much money and there were going to be F-35s just dropping money all over the place. Mm -hmm. And either yesterday's episode or the one before, I can't remember. Well, anyway, from Forbes, the U.S. Air Force just admitted the F-35 stealth fighter has failed. Oh. Okay. Okay. Now, Hmm. let's talk about how much money they spent on this. Uh, What happened with the program here? What the goal was for the program and how that went? And then maybe how we can go go forward from there. The U.S. Air Force's top officer wants the service to develop an affordable, lightweight fighter to replace hundreds of Cold War vintage F-16s and complement a small fleet of sophisticated but costly and unreliable stealth fighters. This is the goal right now. This is what the U.S. Air Force's top officer is asking. They want to develop an affordable lightweight fighter to replace hundreds of F-16s. The result would be a high-low mix of expensive 5th generation F-22 and F-35s and inexpensive 5th generation minus jets. If that plan sounds familiar, it's because the Air Force a generation ago launched a development of an affordable lightweight fighter to replace hundreds of Cold War vintage F-16s and complement a small future fleet of sophisticated but costly and unreliable stealth fighters. So this was already their plan when they did it. But over 20 years of R&D, that lightweight replacement fighter got heavier and more expensive as the Air Force and Lockheed Martin packed it with more and more new technology. Yes, we're talking about the F-35, the 25-ton stealth warplane that's heavier than the F-16, by the way, and become the very problem it was supposed to solve. When have we ever heard of the idea of of something that the government set out to do and spend a bunch of money on is now a new, much larger, much more costly problem that now the government must try and find a way to solve? Isn't that that weird? With a sticker price of around $100 million per plane, including the engine. That's part of the plane. I feel like that's kind of standard. It's not not a glider. It's not a glider. By the way, tangent. I finished Lost last night. I never watched it before. Told everyone mm-hmm. that I started it a while back. So basically, every time I went home, I just turned Lost on, mm-hmm. and then I worked on 
whatever else I needed to work on. Yeah, worked. Sure. The mo the they do all this stuff throughout the whole show. And by the way, I wasn't mad about the ending of it. I think I'd heard so much terrible stuff about the ending of it that I had no expectations. So the fact that there was an ending. So it was actually way better than what I thought it was going <laughs> to yeah. be. I was left overall pretty happy with it, to mm-hmm. tell you the truth. But at the end of the, at the end of it, they take this, this 757 or whatever it is. And they fly it off the island off of this dirt runway that's like 300 feet long that they miraculously landed on when that second plane. Sorry, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be giving any spoilers, by the way, from a show that started in 2004. Yeah. Okay. If you want to hear any, if you don't want to hear lost spoilers, hit the skip button a few times. Should have said spoiler alert. Okay. The most unrealistic thing that that TV show did was take off with a 757 on this dirt runway after it had been sitting there for a while. And just like the thing's just going to take off right off that runway, the thing, they'd need like a freaking half a mile to take off. And how would you, uh, how, who would want to even get on that plane? Not, I mean, and how did they have enough fuel yeah. to even do it? I mean, I guess they had enough fuel to, to go through where they were going. But that, to me, that was the most unrealistic thing on the in, entire TV show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Come on, J.J. Abrams. Come you're, on, you're man. You're better than this. Okay, come on, sorry. man. Sorry. With a sticker price of around $100 million per plane, the F-35 is expensive. While stealthy and brimming with high-tech sensors, it also it's also maintenance-intensive, buggy, and unreliable. The F-35, quote, the F-35 is not a low-cost, lightweight fighter, said Dan Ward, former Air Force program manager and the author of the popular business books, including The Simplicity Cycle. In his last interview before wait, leaving, wait. His, he came up with the simplicity cycle. Simplicity cycle. Working for the Air Force. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For the for the government. Okay. So All they right. floated the idea of just reordering F-16s because you know they still work and all that, uh, but they shot that down because uh, you know not good enough. The 17-ton non-stealthy F-16 is too difficult to upgrade with the latest software. Brown explained instead of ordering fresh F-16s, he said the Air Force should initiate. A clean sheet design for a new low-end fighter. Low-end. Yeah. All right. So after totally failing the last 20 years or however long it's been now to create this plane, they created the plane, I think they had about 250 of them, something like that, and it's way too expensive. They don't like it. It's not working. It's it's buggy and unreliable, like they said. Their new plan is that they need a clean sheet design for a new, cheap, lightweight fighter. Of course. <laughs> so we'll just one point. What was it? One point seven trillion dollars. Roughly, I've, I saw estimates from one point three to one point seven trillion dollars on the F thirty five jet. So we'll just say one point three. Yeah. It's like oh, sorry. It's just a one point three trillion dollar mistake. Whoops. Whoops. It's a sunk cost. Right, we've it already is a sunk spent cost. It. It's gone. We'll just, oops, sorry. Um, no one's getting fired, by the way. We're just going to take the same team and we're just going to start over. Start. Go back to the drawing board, folks. We've run <laughs> this experiment into the ground, basically. Kyle from Iowa says they should start a GoFundMe, and actually, <laughs> I completely agree with you. They should. And whatever amount of money gets donated is the amount of money they have to create yeah. the new planes that they probably uh, they probably aren't actually going to need. I was telling you that before I was telling you before the show um, that uh, GameStop was up over a hundred. Well, that we were talking about <laughs> that and how 
But I was telling you that they should hire SpaceX, honestly. They should. Because they built, you know, rockets. So surely they could, if you're going to start over with a clean sheet, okay, give that piece of paper over to SpaceX or Blue Origin or whoever to a private company. And Lockheed they, Martin's a private company, Charlie. Oh, okay. You know? All right. This is this is the this is actually a failure of capitalism. I mean, give it <laughs> that's what this is. Give it completely over. <laughs> Say, hey, we this is what we want. We're not gonna have any oversight whatsoever. You do it. And uh and then also give them an incentive to make it as cheap as possible and as effective. Cheap and effective. Like you would get a bonus if you make it cheaper. Because that's the thing. Lockheed Martin doesn't have to make it cheap. Why would they want to do that? They get guaranteed money. Their goal is to make this the plane as expensive as possible. They were like, look, they were like, Mr. Air Force General, I don't know if you notice this or not, but the F-35 has its own popcorn machine. <laughs> we That's thought, too much. We thought that we needed to add the popcorn machine because we didn't want our pilots to go hungry while they're flying in the air. And oh, look at this. It has heated and cooled seats. It's got a backup camera <laughs> if the plane goes in reverse. You know the cruise control is on point, too. <laughs> cruise control. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so they added they added all these bells and whistles, even though they wanted to make it a, a more cost-effective uh, than the F-16 and all of that. It says 15 years after the F-35's first flight, the Air Force has just 250. They the were jets. supposed to make 1,000. Yeah, supposed to make 1,000. They only have 250. They cost a hundred million dollars each. We have two hundred and fifty of them, and so that's what is that? Twenty five. That's twenty five billion. Yet we've spent one point three trillion. It seems like the cost is a little off there. Maybe the cost per plane. They're not factoring in the R and D into the plane, I guess, which is a cost on the plane, by the way. Yeah. When you do R and D for something, and you spend time and money creating something, the the R and D cost should be factored in there. I, I do believe it should be. But so one thing I saw all over Twitter about this was here's what we could have done with the money instead of paying for the F-35s. And on one on one side, I'll kind of get with that conversation because we are talking about a, a bloated military budget. I do think that they spend too much money on too many things. And if the government is going to take money and then allocate it back out into the economy, Perhaps this F-35 was a misallocation of scarce resources, of your resources. Mm -hmm. And so everyone was talking about, here's all the things we can do. Of course, the old, we could end homelessness for the next 150 years, you know. And that's not, that's not actually the case. <laughs> I don't know how many times we have to talk about this. We've already spent $25, $27 trillion on the war on poverty. So the idea that with a, a one-time expense of $1.5 trillion, we could end homelessness, people always forget about the fact that there are new people who become homeless. What they do is they'll, day. they'll look at the number and they'll say, well, there's 600,000 people that are homeless, whatever the number is. And say, well, we could house those people and pay them a salary or whatever for the next 150 years. But the problem is it's not the same three, it's not the same 600,000 people. Every they, day. They, they rotate in and out with new people mm. all the time. If that were the case, then we probably would have solved homelessness, but homelessness is not about there not being enough government money thrown at people who are homeless. It's about a lack of opportunity. And then some people 
well they get on they get on the drugs you know mm-hmm. they get on the alcohol and uh, and they end up just kind of messing up their lives ma'am and mm-hmm. so it's not really just money that needs to be thrown so they also said we could cancel all the student loans or the, or the government shuts down the economy yeah yeah you know, th- those types of things can happen and then you become homeless it's just it's it's so funny how everyone is so virtuous and and giving uh, of other people's here's if, what i would have done with if, your if mother. i was in charge mm-hmm. if i was bezos if i was the government if it were me i would end home i would be a hero with a cape i would end the homelessness every single time there's any you know the, the whoever won the the almost billion dollar lottery well, could have ended homelessness. <laughs> Doesn't matter what yeah. amount of money it Doesn't is. Doesn't matter. Yeah. By the way, I know you took the whatever four hundred fifty million dollar lump sum, but could have ended homelessness without. It's it. it somebody makes ten dollars. Could have ended homelessness. It's like the first thing people say, and like what? What is? I don't understand how does it help people sleep at night or something? I guess if they yeah. get a better night's sleep, yeah, then maybe just keep saying things like that. It's but nice. It doesn't that- actually contribute. You're not contributing anything. Actually, you're just saying words. It would make you feel. I I try to imagine what it would feel like to actually take that political standpoint all the time. And I'm slightly envious of people who are able to take that political standpoint because I do think it would make you feel good in the way that people feel good when they donate money to charity. Like you feel good when you donate money to charity, yeah. or you give money to the person on the street. You get you pull up to the stoplight and someone's at your car. Uh, you feel good when you do that. And so I think it's the same feeling that people get. I'm, I'm speculating because I've never felt it on a political standpoint. I think it's the same feeling that people get as when you give a dollar to the homeless person, mm-hmm. only you're advocating that someone else be forced to give money to the homeless person. And so it's not quite the same thing. But I think in those people's minds, it does feel like the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. It's not the same thing at all. It's not the same thing. No. I just checked. It's not the same thing. Yeah. I thought about it again. Not the same. You heard it here first, folks. It's not the same thing to advocate for other people's money to be taken away from them and be given to other people as you going and helping those people yourself. Yeah. You know what the difference between you and Bill Gates is? Like Bill Gates actually solves real problems. Yeah. Like... uh, we used to not have microchips in our arms, you know? <laughs> yeah. We used to not, I saw this one thing where he was talking about how you could give vaccines in like a certain pattern or whatever. And so your skin would be marked with like this pattern you could scan that says that you had a certain vaccine or whatever. And so people are taking, that's what the, that's where they're getting that from. Yeah. They're saying, Oh, obviously Bill Gates is implanting you with, uh, aborted fetuses, mercury, and microchips that you can't see. They're little tiny nanobugs that run around through your body, and <laughs> they let him know where you are. So Bill Gates knows where everybody is. I haven't spent any time on the Bill Gates conspiracies. I, I don't mean thought- that as a smear on the ideas. I mean that as a, they're floating ideas that have not really been proven. You know, I don't mean it as a negative smear, yeah. but I, I haven't spent any time on the Bill Gates if you think about it, he has a legitimate reason why he would want people to be marked as having a vaccine or not, because he's in third world countries. It's very hard to track like who's actually had a vaccine, who hasn't, who needs one, all those different types of things when he's trying to solve polio and malaria and all kinds of things, all these other things that we don't experience over here because we've already been vaccinated for them. It's, and the, the requirements are a lot different in these other parts of the country. 
Now, look, I, does he have a different agenda? I don't know. I don't know the whole thing. I'm just saying there's there's obvious reasons why he would would want a certain type of um, a mark, let's say, to, to whether or not you've been vaccinated. If he's trying to give vaccinations to everyone for free to end like diseases that people in the United States don't die from anymore, but they'd still die from in other countries. He's actually actually trying to he's actually trying to solve world hunger and and world starvation or whatever you fulfilled your duty you read the whatever he wanted you to read today so good job yeah good job there thanks yeah. he sent Some that good to ideas me. thanks for uh thanks for reading that <laughs> he appreciates it i don't know how much money he sent you but um obviously someone who owns your company who owns another company who owns another company is where you get paid through and mm. bill gates owns that company yeah of course and so that's why you said that uh-huh that's yeah. that's the incentive. All right, Charlie, tell me about uh, we got a ban of guns. We have this uh, ad we got to read yes. before. Before you just read an ad. Do you want me to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was yeah. I just read Bill Gates. Me, he paid me to say that. <laughs> I forgot to put that at the end. So you tell me about this one. Luckily, this company is totes fine with what Charlie just said. You know, even though most people who listen to the podcast are not, and he's sorry, <laughs> and he'll will apologize for it tomorrow. And we're talking about Run Your Mouth Coffee. That's because Run Your Mouth Coffee believes in free speech. Listen, y'all, it's called Run Your Mouth Coffee. All right, it's founded by two liberty-loving podcasters, John Odermatt from Finding Freedoms, Online's Liberty, and Ben Pangy Homesteads and Homeschools. Ben and John have set out to bring fresh, roasted, delicious coffee to your doorstep and use these bold beans as a vehicle to promote uncensored speech. <clears throat> At Run Your Mouth Coffee, they take your freedom to speak and express yourself seriously. All their coffees roasted to order. That means that you will receive a fresh roasted coffee at its peak flavor. All coffee varieties are available on both ground and whole bean. Use the promo code GOODMORNING to get 10% off and free shipping at rymcoffee.com. Run Your Mouth Coffee, where delicious coffee meets uncensored speech. Already, it's on the way. It's on the way. Yep, yep, yep. R-M, R-Y-M, I'm sorry, R-Y-M coffee. Not getting paid for today's episode. Run your mouth coffee. Did you tell them that good morning is all one word? It's all one word. Yep. No space, just literally, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's in the show notes. There's a link, and and then good morning is written in the way that it needs to be placed into the promo code area on the website. You can't beat 10% off and free shipping. Maybe eleven percent off from free shipping. Well, you could if you did that. What but about twelve percent off in free shipping though? I'm, you could be. I'm just saying, Starbucks ain't giving you that. Okay? Thirteen though. That's that's too much, right? Yeah, ten percent off plus free shipping. Fourteen percent off in free shipping? Ten, no, this is ten percent. Okay, ten percent off this promo code. Okay, all right. We don't. We didn't get the fourteen percent off promo code. Yeah, <laughs> we got the ten percent off one. But anyway, you can say whatever you want and drink coffee at the same time. Pretty cool. I like Just don't choke when you're drinking and talking at the same time. I like the idea no. of being able to drink my coffee and saying whatever I want. Can <laughs> I can plus the caffeine helps you run your mouth. I think the camera Just, thing is making me go cross-eyed by the way. <laughs> Cuz I have a camera that I'm trying I'm dedicating one eye to the camera and another eye to Charlie. And it's yeah. looking kind of I I kind of feel like my eyes are separating. By the way, they're, speaking they're of anymore. running your mouth, that's what we do on the show anyway. It's not really, we don't have anything formalized here. Um, what's I have a funny story for you. So uh, Nate, back in during COVID and, and when I 
was too busy for Nate to be over here in the morning and, and all kinds of things. Nate took his office chair to his house for his home <laughs> office. Okay. And so when Nate started coming back over every day for us to be able to do the show and, and the calls and things got down for me and we were able to do that, Nate decided to just get the regular old, I don't even know if you could call it a chair. It was an Amazon basic. Um, it was from Target. It was 30 bucks. Sorry, Target. It was a sitting device. That's <laughs> yeah. all it was. Um, it was very uncomfortable. And he was like, oh, I'm just going to get this So when I'm here doing the show. Anyway, that lasted for a couple months. And he was like, man, I'm spending a lot of money on acupuncture. My back hurts. Probably has to do with the chair. So I have... I, I have this chair. Those of you watching live can can see this. this You're moving the chair, chair. too. <laughs> uh, this chair. I that, that was my original chair. And the hydraulics in it could not hold Chuck Too Tall Thompson. Okay. <laughs> and so the the hydraulics. Would it have like a 200-pound limit or something like that? Yeah, it was like 200, 250 maybe. I'm 300, so I'm not ashamed of it. I'm 6'8", 300 pounds. Yes, I could have played football. No, I don't. I, I podcast. <laughs> yeah. I had somebody ask me in Tampa because obviously they just won the Super Bowl in an elevator. He's like, you play football? I should have said, yeah. <laughs> should just start saying, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Name's Thompson. Look me up. <laughs> I was in the Super Bowl. Anyway, long story short, Nate decided that he was going to order a new hydraulic. He got a tall 450-pound uh, tester uh, hydraulic for the chair. And he fixed the chair today. Because Charlie had bought a new chair to replace the chair that, mm. that he broke. And the old chair was just sitting over here in the corner. Taking and I was, room. I was on this crappy $30 chair that was terrible. Just terrible. Mm. And so I, I went around looking for new chairs last week. I was like, man, office chairs are expensive. They are. Supply and demand. I mean, so, a lot of people working from home right now. So Nate fixed the chair and I was like, man... <clears throat> He goes, uh, thanks for letting me have your chair. And I was like, I haven't given it to you yet. <laughs> After I ordered the new hydraulic yeah. cord and fixed and it. So then I said, thanks for fixing my chair. <laughs> and I, I gave him my new chair that I bought, which is not, it's, I've had it for like six months. So I gave him that one and I got my old chair back. And let me tell you, it's comfy. Yeah, I'm actually going to be switching back to the other chair tomorrow because this <laughs> chair is actually worse than that chair. That's worse than the, yeah. than the sitting device? Yeah, because you can't, there's because of the side things. That's not true. Way worse. That can't be true. It's true. Yeah. It can't be true. Anyway, tell me about banning ghost guns, Charles. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this coming from reason. Ghost gun bans are doomed from the start. So, of course, if, if you guys haven't paid attention, the Democrats want to do everything they possibly can to make sure you can't have any guns, okay? Guns are bad. Mm-hmm. Quote, the White House is weighing a number of gun safety proposals. That's what they're going to gun safety as it looks to deliver on President Joe Biden's campaign promises. Politico reported this week among the executive actions under consideration by the administration is one that would require buyers of so-called ghost guns, homemade or makeshift firearms that lack serial numbers to undergo background checks, according to three people who have spoken to White House about their plans. Actually, under current federal law. An individual may generally make a firearm for personal use. However, individuals engaged in the business of manufacturing firearms for sale or distribution must be licensed by ATF. Basically, um, the law already regulates the manufacture of firearms for sale, no matter how the gun was created. So, so it's, gonna, al it's already illegal to, to make, make a boom boom stick and, and sell it and sell it. Then you have to be licensed. Presumably, then, the Biden administration is considering regulating the partial kits that are sold for people to finish and assemble into working firearms. 
so-called 80% receivers would then be treated as complete firearms. If you could successfully define something that can, with work, be turned into a finished product without also banning materials used in other ways. <laughs> Quote, it's hard to imagine stopping it short of banning 3D printers or metal pipes or metal in general or anything else. Plastic, metal, whatever. Uh, so unless they're going to ban literally everything, you can't you can't even mine anymore. Nate. <laughs> so. So anything that can be used to, to, to somehow be a finished product. Just metal. Actually, we're going to have to. Yeah, we're just going to ban, level, ban, ban levels so you can't shoot straight up in the air anymore. Well, I can still shoot straight up in the air. It just won't be as safe as it used to be. <laughs> Any market the government shuts down, the black market will open. You can literally you can make a shotgun, by the way, with just a lead pipe and a cap. Yeah, just some string and hole. Just <laughs> yeah, that's literally that's shotgun. Well, you're going to you're going to have to ban that pipe. Well, yeah, That's what you're going to have to do. Now you're going to have to ban 3D printers, but then you can also build your own 3D printers. And so I guess you have to ban what the plastic that goes into them. I don't know or you have to, you know, how do they actually expect to ban those things where people are making them and what? 171. Good Lord. Good Lord award goes the GME today. Good Lord award has been awarded to GME 170. Mm. Should have bought more at 80. I was thinking about it. So the problem that they always have when it comes to gun control is the fact that if people want something, they're going to either get it from someone who already has it or they're going to create it themselves. And they're going to make it in their garage. They're going to build a 3D printer. They're going to buy a 3D printer. And then they'll go after the designs that are online, you know, because you can just download the blueprints for your machine. And then someone's going to make new blue blueprints. They'll they'll make black prints. Mm -hmm. That's what they want. They'll make, they'll make whatever prints that they want. And then you'll still be able to do it. And it doesn't matter if they ban the specific little part. Someone else will make one that's a little bit longer. And then you'll know to cut it off at a certain point. So you can put it into your gun. There's no way that you can actually ban these things. Mm -mm. You can't do it. And I can't believe they're still trying to. We brought up stuff like the war on drugs. They've been trying to ban drugs for a long time. Really, really long time. Everyone here knows someone they can call to get some drugs right now. Everyone does guarantee it and if you don't you know someone that knows who to call mm -hmm. to get some drugs and they've been illegal for a long time or text long to, or text you probably yeah. don't want to call you know maybe you want to use slack or some something like that signal signal yeah mm -hmm. and, and so it doesn't work when the government decides to ban these things and then they also brought what's interesting they brought in what happened to the soviet union basically trying to ban even the underground the press who was talking about how terrible the Soviet Union was and they still found ways around it. People always find ways around things. When there is a market for something, it's going to exist. Mm -hmm. And you can either not be able to tell who those people are at all and they'll all have super secret ways of doing things because the government's always 20 years behind whatever the technology is. Uh, or uh, we can all just be free individuals. I think that would be pretty good too. Another interesting thing. Well, look, you can even even using guns as an example. They banned fully automatic guns unless you had a special federal license. It's mm -hmm. really expensive to get. So then they made bump stocks, so you could fire faster. Well, now they ban bump stocks. So somebody's going to come up with something. You could fire the, your weapon faster than you could by pulling the trigger by yourself. Yeah, it's you it's going to happen. I saw maybe, one the other day. Maybe it'll that, be an ext a robot extension of your arm that could just click really fast. <laughs> I saw one the other day that fired when you pulled it and fired when you released it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's been a thing for a while. Uh, and and I 
I was like, man, I got to get me one of these. Turns out it was expensive. Yeah. So I didn't want to get it. I can't bring myself mm-hmm. to spend a bunch of money on any guns. Yeah. I just can't do it. What's interesting, they bring up the Soviet Union and the fact that p- there will be a market for something and people want it. A really interesting story from Basic Economics. Thomas Sowell, go read it if you haven't read it. You know, the government provided all this food. The government provided all of these things. There weren't any brands. One, one argument from people on the left, your socialist type people, is that brand names are just these things that are created by the corporate entities to sell us stuff that's more expensive. And, and that's really all they're doing. What's really interesting is that there weren't any brands in the Soviet Union. And so this was going to fix everything. But what they found was that the, the soup was better from specific factories. And those specific factories had specific serial numbers at the, at the end of their cans. And so the cans that were from those factories traded for more on the black market than the cans that were from the other factories. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the market created a brand of that factory, even though you couldn't call it whatever brand it was, without there being a brand, just because they all knew that those serial numbers meant that it was a little bit better than the other ones. And the grocery stores just ended up messier (laughs) because everybody was searching for those serial numbers. (laughs) They were in line, you know, receiving their cans. I I don't know. I don't want the one that ends in four. (laughs) Want the one that ends in seven. All right. One more thing here before we go. We were going to talk about this one yesterday. This is from CNBC. The coronavirus. You guys remember that coronavirus thing? Oh, yeah, that's right. We had a pandemic or something. Yeah, we're still in a pandemic. Yeah. The coronavirus pandemic, nearly a year long, is hitting students of color the worst. Of course. Students Mm. of color. And this is... One, we'll talk about why that's happening. That doesn't just mean that it's out of racism, but also we need to talk about why the left would want to continue down the road of something that's hurting, statistically, students of color more than everyone else. From CNBC, it's almost one year into the coronavirus pandemic and students are still suffering, especially blacks and Hispanics. Many schools around the nation have yet to open their doors to students, while some are offering a mix of in-person and virtual learning. Others have fully opened their classrooms. Quote, learning loss is happening. It is real and it is inequitable, said Jimmy Sarenkansanis. <laughs> Man, I was going to have you read that one yesterday, so I didn't, I didn't think about it. Sarenkansanis. His, fir- his firm, Jimmy's firm, Jimmy's firm estimates approximately 60% of K-12 students started the school year fully remote. Meanwhile, 20% are on a hybrid model, which is a mix of both remote and in-person, and 20% went back into the classrooms full-time. Like a hybrid car. Yeah. It's, it just kind of sucks, you yeah. know? I don't know. There's a couple pretty good hybrid, hybrids out there. <laughs> I rented a Prius one time, and it was one of the smartest decisions I ever made, by the way. Oh, yeah. I had to drive from Virginia uh, all the way over to Illinois, and I rented a Prius. I think I got gas like two times on the whole trip. It was awesome. Anyway, it cost like 15 bucks to fill up. It was pretty crazy. If those numbers hold throughout the school year, this is back to the article. I'm not talking about the Prius right now. If those numbers hold throughout the school year, students will lose nine months of math learning. The report predicted. However, students of color will see a loss of 11 or 12 months compared to seven or eight months for white students. That in turn will have long-term implications on their earnings and their health long-term implications on their earnings and their health. McKinsey's June report found that while students could, white students could earn $1,348 a year less, $1,348 a year less, 
Over a 40-year working life, black students would bring in $2,186 a year less. So that's a 1.6% reduction for the white students or a 3.3% reduction for the black students and Hispanic students would earn $1,800 a year less, three students. So my whole point here, which is really weird. Now, obviously, this isn't a predetermined thing just because you miss school this year or next year or however long Fauci says that we don't need to go to school or this, the, however long the teachers unions decide that they don't want to work. Um, it doesn't mean that you're just predestined to make less money for the rest of your life. So, so that's not what I'm saying. But statistically, statistically, how this works out, um, that, that is how it has played out in the past. So, quote, one of, the greatest tra- one of the great travesties of this pandemic is it has hit the most vulnerable among us the hardest, said Silicon Valley-based Emma Dorn, global education practice manager at McKinsey and co-author of this report. There Much really is name. That was way easier. Emma, there really Emma is Dorn. an imperative now to direct those resources to the students who need it most. And what the imperative actually is, is that we need to reopen schools. Mm-hmm. That's, what the, that's what the imperative actually is, not to direct resources to specific the resources needs to be teachers going in the classrooms that are open so students can learn at school that's that's what actually needs to happen they don't want to do that they don't want to do that part Mm -mm. that's the that's the weird part or at least uh you know just make it easier for people to go to private schools charter schools Mm -hmm. things like that i don't know i don't want to do that either but this was just a really good example of a policy from the government, another thing from the pandemic, another policy from the pandemic that is going to end up statistically hurting people of color more than it's going to hurt whitey. And then several years down the road, we'll be talking about how we have a systemically racist system and everyone makes less money if they're a person of color and white people make more money. And we'll never talk about any of the things that ever happened in the past that ever led to that happening. We won't talk about the pandemic. It's going to be because of racism or it's going to be because generational wealth or, or whatever all the arguments are. And it's never going to be that statistically more, uh, statistically more children of color actually miss school than than the white kids did yeah they're not going to talk about that that won't be part of the conversation it's not going to be because the government teachers didn't want to go back to work and so people were actually held back in their education mm-hmm. it's not going to be it at all it's not even going to be that people then their parents at home then had to find ways to either work from home or not be able to go to work so they could take care of their kids i can't imagine having a kid right now that wasn't able to go to school how would you have a job and have kids right now because your kids used to get babysat by the public schools. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you do? Not saying that that's technically correct or what we would ultimately want to see happen, but that was, you know, you are taxed for that purpose Yeah, and you're forced to comply with that. But then all of a sudden they change it and they don't give you any options. It's not like that. It's not like they're like, Hey, your kids aren't going to school anymore. So we're going to stop taking taxes. No, no, no. They still take the taxes. And they just say, well, yeah, you know, what you're paying for, you're no longer getting, but we're still going to keep the taxes. And actually, we're going to triple the budget and we don't even have to go to school anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to add another $135 billion to the budget, mm-hmm. uh, but we might not even open any schools. Yeah. It's, uh, it's insane, man. Only 20% went back to into classrooms full time. It's unbelievable. So this is just put this in your on your list of things that the government ended up doing that disproportionately affected people of color 
And then 20 years from now, when we're talking about more arguments about how Whitey's holding everyone down, then we'll bring this out as one of the things that was actually holding people back. Mm. Because this statistic right here will eventually be used. And this is how they get you. This is how they get you. Because several years down the road, it's going to be totally different politicians in office. It's going to be people who, there's going to be a billion different tweets that we're all mad about by that time. We're not going to be thinking about this anymore. You know, and we'll totally forget about this little hiccup in 2020, 2021. That's right. That held everyone back. So, guys, go to the Liberty Trading Academy masterminds.stonks.com. What's GME at right now, Charlie? It, right now, it's trading at 176, but it did hit a high of 200. That's disgusting. Yeah. 200, by the that's way. Real that's gross. That's 400% from what it opened at today, basically, almost. Get it on Robin Hood while you can. Man, that's. <laughs> uh, that's absolutely crazy. I was thinking that uh, $80 was a high price when it came back down off of that. And then it made a nice little uh, consolidation at uh, between 110 and 120. And basically straight up from there, it uh, had a nice little nine ride, actually. Good. Nice little nine ride. It did bounce off about 150 there. I'm not mad about this and at all, by the way. I'm not all the way up to, to 200. I'm not at all upset about the fact that I sold my three GME shares on Friday last yeah. week. Not at all mad about that. Yeah. My one share has been about, has been down like 25, 30, 40 bucks. I'm now up a hundred dollars on that one share. Boom. One share. Anyway, join the Liberty Trading Academy. Go to mastermystonks.com. Use the promo code SAVE20 to get 20% off your first two months of the class. And if you're mad like Nate is about GME, well, we see stonks almost every single day making 200, 400, 1,000% moves almost every single day. True. So if, you, uh, if you're if you like, man, I miss GameStop again because this literally in the last, what, 20 minutes before the market closed, it started rocketing up uh, on tons of crazy volume. In fact, the post market right now is having, is having more volume than it did throughout the almost entire trading day. So yeah. absolutely <clears throat> insane volume. So the one thing I would say is I'm not mad about not being, well, I wouldn't, I didn't recommend to anyone when this whole thing was going on to jump in to GME because we trade specific strategies because we, we don't want to let emotions get in the way of your trading. That's how you end up losing a lot of money, especially if you're a new trader. What I'm upset about is I let myself get into the stock and then I held it for weeks and then I got rid of it a few days ago. And that's just some luck right there. Let me tell you what. That's some luck. But the point is, I should have never been in it in the first place. But Charlie, sitting over here, going to order attendees for everyone. So it's going to be totally fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Go to mastermystonks.com. There's, there's got to be getting close to 300 videos on that website now. I'll have to go back and look. Uh, we're going to get an email from Kajabi anytime saying, hey, hold, hold up a second. Uh, you guys have too many videos. Too many, too many videos. Yeah. We yeah. know that you pay us an insane amount every single month, but that's too much. <laughs> it's just too much that's too much but that's a good problem for you guys taking the class to have the fact that we've got so many videos on there i'm waiting for a, a, a email from the person who hosts the website telling us that they're going to charge us more money because there's too many videos even though they don't have uh, total storage limits they might enact them for our class there's so much content on there so go to mastermindsongs.com promo code save 20 you say class and it's like literally the best price you can get to learn about the stonk market it's pretty good it's to quit taking classes on the stock market. Nobody's even in that anymore. We're in the stonk market, okay? Yeah. 
Master my stonks, master my trades. Dot com. As Nate said, do you stay classy, folks? Patreon.com slash Good Morning Liberty will send you to the Discord server. It is a super secret server that no one knows anything about except all of you that listen to the show. So sign up, patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty, because it's super secret and limited. It costs five bucks a month to operate. Okay, so five bucks a month, that's what it's going to cost. Just sign up for the entire year, and they were giving out 15% discount. I don't know if that's still happening. Mm-hmm. But you can try. Mm-hmm. Sign up for the entire year, 15% discount. We got message. I know I got messages yesterday about people saying, God darn it. This is a good podcast, man. I need to go ahead and sign up for Patreon. I said, yes, sir, you do. And uh, I That's exactly what the conversation sounds like, I've, man. Don't know if I've seen him yet, but uh, I'm going I'm to do some checking. I think his name was Jason. I'm going to do some checking, see if he signed up or not. So y'all need to sign up, patreon.com slash Liberty. Share this show and all the other shows, 407 or however many we have now. Share them all with a friend. Share them with an enemy. Share them with your other Stonkmaster friends. And if you uh, if you do all of that, leave us a rating and review. Please. I said please. Leave us a rating and review. Then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. It just kind of.